Well, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. There's nobody like Jesus. And you came to church today, and I want you to hear that message. All you need is Jesus, and he's enough. He's enough. He's enough. Um, I love that lyric, uh, you're the only thing holding on to me. Isn't that a great word? God is the only thing. He's holding on to you. I don't know about you, but there's times when I feel like I go down roads that I probably shouldn't go down. You know what I'm talking about? I drift, and I'm grateful that he's still holding on to me, even when I go down that road. You, you hear anybody else grateful for that? Aren't you grateful for the unfailing love of God? I just read a verse this morning about praise the Lord for his unfailing love. That's Hess love, right, Emily? That's Hess love. His unfailing love, and that's who he is. He's the only thing holding on to you. Even when you feel like others have let you go, and even when you feel like you've given up, he's holding on to you. Guys, I'm just going to tell you, God has already been preaching to me this morning. God has given me a word this morning. I'm excited about this message. I'm excited to share what the Lord has put on my heart. It's a, I'm honored and I'm humbled to be standing in front of you by his grace. He's a good God. Uh, God, thank you. We worship you, Lord. We give you praise. We give you praise. There's nobody like you, Lord. I know, Lord, you have orchestrated this event right now. And you have drawn souls to this service to meet with you. And I know you've already started speaking to people. You've already given people a word. I, I believe that, God. And if our spiritual eyes and ears are open, we already saw it, and some of us even received it. The truth is, God, there's some of us here that aren't really here yet. We're still waking up. <laughs> We're still coming in, Lord. And I pray, God, that every soul hears a word from you, God, a transformational word. A word that changes their heart, their mind, the trajectory of their life. Lord, I pray that we all walk out different. We need you, Lord. I thank you, God, for your unfailing love. You are a God who forgives. Thank you, Lord. You're a holy God who desires to have a relationship with us. And you meet us where we're at. But you don't leave us there. Thank you. So to just continue to work here, God, continue to move here. May your Holy Spirit fall fresh on me and this message and speak to all of us. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn to someone next to you and just tell them he's got you. And then you can have a seat. He's got you. You know what? I don't know about you, but that message is enough. He's got you. I should have said that last night. I didn't say that last night. Oh, boy, it's good to be here. Um, <clears throat> you know, before I, you know, I, I jump into our text, um, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1. And uh, I, uh, a, few, a couple of weeks ago, I went on a, on a trip uh, with my, my son, and we went to go uh, to New York to see Yankees. See, there it is right there. 42, there it is. <coughs> Who's saying boo? Come on now. Denver doesn't even have a professional baseball team. You know that. We go there to watch a game, but it's not a game. You know that. We got good players and we trade them. That's what we do here. <coughs> All right. Anyway. So, uh, so uh, anyway, um, this trip that I went on was a special trip because uh, – in 2021, December 2021, I was given a gift by my family, and the gift was uh, to go see a Yankees game in New York, and I grew up a Yankees fan, Reggie Jackson. There's a whole story behind why I was a Yankees fan, but anyway, but uh, I, I was like, man, literally, when I got the gift, I cried, like, on my couch. I just started crying, because it was like, it was not only the Yankees game, but it was the love that my family was showing on me, and and it's so cool. Um, uh, let me just quick plug. If you have an opportunity to show love on your family, do it. You know the desires of their hearts better than anyone else, and just do it. This is Jack, Jackie Robinson right here, just in case you're wondering. Who's 42? <coughs> Mariana Rivera, where it, 
in his last game. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But anyway, so uh, New, York, New York City. So I, I got the gift, and I was so blown away. And then, um, so that was like on December, and literally like, I don't know, two months, three months later, um, I, uh, I got this thing called Ramsey Hunt. And, and uh, I was, my right side of my face was completely paralyzed, literally just dropped. And I was out of the pulpit for like four months or something like that. It was a dark time for me. Have you ever been through a dark time where you're like, what's this about? I don't know why this is happening to me. You know what I'm talking about? That's where I was at. So I didn't go to the game, obviously. And I was also dizzy. I needed to hold on to someone's shoulder for like four months to walk. It was a crazy time for me. So I didn't go. So this gift has been sitting on the shelf. And uh, we, we cashed in. The money was already spent, and it was already, you know, hotels was paid and all that craziness. So, so by the grace of God, I'm able to walk. Look, I could jump, guys. Look at this. How about them apples? <laughs> but anyway, I was so excited. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go. And I took my son, and we went and, uh, to go see. To the, and we had a great time. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm always looking um, at how God is working. You know, the, we're not going to go over the book of Esther today. But the book of Esther is all about your ability to read between the lines. You you hear this. Some people can see God moving between the lines. And some people can't. That's another message. Gosh, I got a bunch of messages coming out of me today. But anyway, so the whole trip, I was like, okay, God, show me what you're doing between the lines. Show me what you're doing. So um, God was faithful, and he, he did that in a lot of different ways. But one of the ways he, he did that was uh, I thought uh, one of the desires of my heart was, um, some of you who are basketball heads know this, was to go to this iconic basketball park called Rucker Park. Anybody ever hear of Rucker Park? Raise your hand if you've heard of Rucker Park. See, just a few of you have heard about Rucker Parks. All the rest of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, Rucker Park, uh, I grew up playing basketball outside. I mean, the idea of having a gym was like a luxury. I did not grow up with a gym like a lot of us suburbanite kids. You know, you play in gyms. I grew up in a basketball court playing at one in the morning you know, just outside of downtown San Antonio. That's where I grew up, just very multiracial kind of place. So uh, Rucker Park, if you're a basketball head, you need to know this. You YouTube Rucker Park. But it's known as, um, it's in the middle of Harlem. And when you think about New York City and you think about, you know, the quintessential, you know, streets, projects, that kind of thing, that's Rucker Park. It's right there. Projects are across the street. You know, there's not a lot of tourists there. If you're white, you'll stand out. You hear what I'm saying? That's Rucker Park, all right? That's Rucker Park. So so uh, you should go there anyway. Those of you who are white, so you know what I feel like all the time. Just so we can switch the shoes a little bit. I didn't share that last night either. <laughs> but anyway, so I, uh, Jay and I, and my whole, uh, there's famous basketball players that show up like Kobe Bryant and, and Julius Irving way back in the day and, and Kyrie Irving and, and John Starks. And there's all these professional basketball players that go to Rucker Park. Um, it's surrounded by, you know, the gangs and the drugs and all that stuff. And, but the basketball court there, the people know basketball there. I mean, they know basketball. They know what good basketball looks like. And, and they're known for, you know, during the games, they set up PA systems and they have a mic and, and it's like a big party. Every Monday through Thursday, 5.30 p.m., and they have the, this big party and they're, they, have a, they have an MC and they're calling out nicknames. And it's very different from like if you go to the Pepsi Center or something like that. It's very street oriented. And uh, so anyway, so, so Jay and I, I was like, man, that'd be cool. I want to go to Rucker Park and it'd be so cool if we can go there and maybe... Maybe we'll be able to borrow a basketball or something. and Maybe I could dribble on Rucker Park. I mean, because of the story of Rucker Park. That's why it's all, if you don't know the story, it doesn't mean anything to you. It's like you might as well go play at, you know, Cherrywood Basketball Court. You don't know that. <laughs> or Prairie Hills Elementary Basketball Court. But this is Rucker Park. It has a story. So I, I, I said, all right, Jay, let's go. And we found out it was uh, in Harlem, and it was about a 20, 25-minute walk through Harlem to Yankee Stadium. So I said, well, let's go to Rucker Park first before the game, and let's just maybe, maybe 
we get a basketball and maybe we can dribble a few times. And if I dribble a few times, take a picture of me. I'm dribbling on Rucker Park. You know what I mean? I know it sounds silly to a lot of you. I get it. It's all good. I'm, laying, I'm throwing out my pearls right now, guys. I'm letting, you know, this is something on my heart. So anyway, I, I, uh, I uh, showed up and uh, we showed up and, and, uh, and, and it's just what you expect. There's not any, really any tourists around, really. And, and it's just the locals. And, and, and uh, it's just people of color, basically, out there. And, and, and they're, they're getting all there. And then I asked this one guy, who's like the only white guy. And I asked him, hey, man, can I uh, borrow your basketball? Because he was sitting down. He just run. So he said, yeah, go ahead. So I, I go out. And I'm, I, I take a shot at Rucker Park. And I actually, I took a picture. I said, take a picture. You know, I know it sounds goofy. I'm like, take a picture. So I take a shot, and, and then I took, Jay, okay, your turn, your turn. You know, I'm taking a picture. And then another guy showed up. And can any guys, ra- you know what I'm talking about? Just raise your hand if you can feel what I'm talking about. That's awesome. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus, help me. I need your help right now. We're going somewhere, guys. Hang on. So uh, anyway, so we were there. Then this, other, then this other guy showed up, and this other guy, they started coming off the stands, and and then it was two and four and and five and and next thing you know we had like eight and then they said um, hey let's run you want to run and I'm like yeah uh, yeah okay I'm like a kid I'm like nine years old okay I'll run I want to run and so a little and then they said we're about we got ten guys now and uh, and and then I, and then they said you want to run I said yeah 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 and then they said full court and I was like full 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 what. Full, I'm sorry, what, full? <laughs> I don't run anymore. I don't play basketball anymore. I'm fortunate my basketball hits a backboard. I'm good. I mean, it's just horrible. I'm like, full, 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 full. What, what are you talking about? And they said, no, let's run. I said, all right, let's run. So Jay and I, we take off our shirts because we're on our way to Yankees and we're going to sweat like pigs. So we take off our shirts and we we run. And I, I connect really well with, we connect really well with our team. This guy named Ruggio is this black guy and he and I were, were, were really working well with each other. And, and I, the whole time I was playing, I was dizzy because I'm still working through dizziness, but like, I don't care. I'm playing at Rucker Park, baby. So I'm running around and I, I, hit, I hit a shot and it was one of those shots and it went like nothing but net. And I was like, that went in? Oh, yeah, I meant to do that. <laughs> it was like that. And then Jay hit a shot, and it was just like a dream. And in fact, when we were, we were down, we were running up to 16, and we were down 13, 14. And I, 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 went, I went to, I don't know if this is cheating or not. But when we were down 13, 14, I prayed. And I said, all right, God, <laughs> you know who I am. <laughs> I'm a record park lord. <laughs> I don't want to lose at Rucker Park. This is, I'm probably never, ever going to play here again at Rucker Park. Would you, and these guys are being up there dunking, and I mean, these guys are good. And, and I said, Lord, would you, just, would you just make us win, Lord? Is that cheating? Maybe a little bit for a pastor to do that? Well, guess who won, baby? <laughs> so we won. That's a little dizzy right there. <laughs> so we won. Here's a picture of us afterwards. We were just sweating like crazy, and, and it was just like, uh, where that's Ruggio right by me, who he, and I, he, he called me a nickname, which you never get, and it's a pretty big deal if you get a nickname at Rucker Party. He said, you're the OG. That's what he said to me. And I'm like, oh, I'm the OG. I'm the OG. This means nothing to you guys. Let's just get into the word, right? <laughs> Come on now. Uh, it was a sweet time. We, we, we uh, really like drip dried there, because we didn't take a towel. And we took only one little water bottle, and we were and we were sweating, and we just sat there for like an hour and a half, drip drying. And it was an amazing experience. Got to connect with the guys, and and uh, just an amazing, amazing experience. But the only reason why this park is is well known is because of the story behind it. And if you're a, a basketball guy, you can appreciate the story. And they have a, such a respect for their game. Really, in the midst of the, these projects. This is their church, really. It's their community. It's where, where they do life together. And they all, you know, there's a lot of stuff that they're battling. Um, but it's, this is where, it's their church. And it's their story. Today, the message is called Your Story Matters. And I think a lot of us, we have a, maybe a little bit of Rucker Park inside of us where you have a story. You came to church today and you have a story. You have a story. For some of you, that story is maybe you grew up in the church. 
Others of you, maybe you didn't. Or maybe you used to go to church, but then you got hurt by church. So you stopped going to church. Or you used to go to church, you used to be crazy involved at church, and now you're not. Or maybe you call yourself a Christian, or maybe you're not committed to any church, but you proudly call yourself a Christian. Maybe you used to be involved and you're not anymore, and you just kind of float around. Or maybe, maybe you came to church and you're just waiting for like the ceiling, the roof to fall down on you because you haven't been in church in a long time. And you're just like, this is all brand new. And you feel a little bit like a fish out of water. And, and maybe there's some, you're not sure about God. You're not sure about Jesus. You're not sure about faith. You're not sure about any of those things. Um, some of you came to church and you have hurt with you. You have experienced hurt in your family. You know what it feels like for a friend to backstab you and to not be faithful and to hurt you. And you know what that feels like. You know what it, some of you know what it feels like to live another life. And you have another life that nobody knows about. You show everyone this fake side of you, but there's another side of you that only you and God know about. And it's your own private battle and you live with it and you walk like that with it and you do life with it. We all have a story. We all have a story. Some of us, we just need love. We just need to be known. We need to be seen, whatever it is, or we're healing. We all have a story. I have a story. We all have a story. I want to talk to you about a story today um, in Joshua chapter 1. And uh, Joshua chapter 1 is a phenomenal um, chapter. Really, um, um, I want to, let's start reading it. Um, we're going to read a couple of verses, and then we're going to jump into a whole bunch of verses. Uh, it starts off, and it says like this. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses's assistant. And he said, uh, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, say therefore with me, guys, therefore. The time has come. Oh, that's so good. Say the time has come with me. The time has come. For you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. Wow. So God tells Joshua, Joshua, my, my servant Moses is dead. You're up. Batter up, right? You're up. And you're the one who's going to lead the Israelites across the Jordan River into the promised land. Wow. There's a backstory behind this because this is not the first time Joshua is in this situation. And for you to really appreciate this story, you need to turn some pages and you need to look at the backstory behind this. Moses, my servant, is dead. Well, who's Moses? Well, that was God's chosen man to deliver Israel. Israel was caught up in slavery for about 400 years in Egypt. And we know the famous stories of plagues and Pharaoh and all that, you know, the, the life of Moses delivering the Israelites out of Egypt. And, of course, he miraculously leads them out after 10 plagues they go through the Red Sea on dry ground, and, and they come out on the... I mean, it's just a pretty crazy story. The Red Sea engulfs the Pharaoh and his armies and all that. And so, so after that happened, the plan... Here's plan A. Plan A was uh, uh, deliver out of Egypt and go right into the promised land. And incidentally, there's a lot of parallel illustrations here with our life, guys. Egypt represents a life of sin. Egypt represents a life of slavery, spiritual slavery. Egypt represents a life where you worshiped other gods. That's what Egypt was for us. And now this is, you know, Joshua, let me tell you this. Joshua is a picture of Jesus Christ. In fact, the name Jesus in the original Greek language means Joshua in Hebrew. Joshua. It's a good name, Joshua. It's a good name. 
<laughs> it's a good name. So that's, that's what happened. So, so there's this picture of, of, of God delivering his people, his children, out of Egypt and, 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 and taking them to the promised land. But, but here's what happened. Here's what happened. They, they show up to the promised land, and this is about 40 years before Joshua chapter 1. They show up to the promised land. And they're about to go inside. They decide to send in some spies to check it out. So they send in 12 spies, one spy for each tribe of Israel. And they came back, these 12 spies, so they went to go scout it out. It's like what people do in church nowadays. A lot of times it's not unusual. The dad comes alone, and he'll go back and tell the family, or the mom comes alone. It's that kind of thing. Chapter 13, here it is, verse 27 in Numbers. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore. And it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. So they come back, and you can only imagine them at the border of the promised land. Imagine that. They come back and they say, you know what? The land is good. What God wants to give us, it's good. Oh, but there's a problem there. There's giants there. Big, strong, hairy, mean giants. They will kill us. They will kill us. They will kill our wives, our children, if we go in there. I don't think we can do it. So here you have 12 spies that go in there, or scouts that go in there. 10 of them, 10 of these spies say, no way, no chance. We're not, we're, we don't have the numbers, and we're not strong enough. But then there's these two other spies, Joshua and Caleb, that said, yeah, we can take them. God plus us is majority. We're, we're good. God's with us. Well, this is an example of how the majority is not always right. The 10 said, let's not go in. The minority, hello, said, let's go in. The majority won, and they came back, and Scripture said that they didn't go in, and there was incredible weeping by the people of Israel. Just wept. It's because they kind of came up to their dream. You know, they came right up to the border, close enough where they could, like, look into it. And then they didn't go in. They didn't go in. And in fact, there was this punishment that happens. You know, there's this punishment. Um, uh, scripture says a number. It says, because your, your men explored the land for 40 days, you must wander in the wilderness for 40 years. So what God did was he said, you know what? Um, one year for each day you went in. You went in to explore it for 40 days. You didn't trust me. So now you're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, a year for each day, suffering the consequences of your sins. Then you will discover what it is like to have me for an enemy. Lord, help us. I think God took it personal, don't you? Don't you think that? 40 years in the desert. Have you ever been in a desert? Have you ever been there? You ever experienced this kind of thing? The Israelites spent the next 40 years thinking, what if? The Israelites spent the next 40 years thinking, man, we thought those giants were bad. God is way bigger than those giants. And in fact, Scripture says during those 40 years, the people who were too afraid eventually died. And God took a new generation into the promised land. But it was during that time in the wilderness where God taught Israel some lessons during that time. It was while they were in the wilderness and they were walking in this wilderness that they were learning to depend on God. God provided manna for them every day. Sometimes they would want to take more for the next day. And God said, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. You trust me every day. And he still does that for us today. He wants you to learn to depend on him every day. And every day's a new day. Every day, it's a choice. It's a choice to depend on God. I always tell you all the time, your future is not in the hands of your boss or your company. Your future is in the hands of your God. 
And the reason why you have breath in your lungs is because God has put breath in your lungs. God is a good God. He's the one who's taking care of you. He's the one who's giving you strength. He's the one who hears your prayers. You're in the hands of God. God has your future. Glory to God. God has your future. During that time in the wilderness, they're, they're walking in this wilderness, but there's a lot of things that they're learning in this wilderness because they've made some mistakes. Remember, there was this whole golden calf thing and all this stuff. But during that time, they learned things like, you know what? Um, we should only worship God and not anyone else. That was a, a new thing for them. That was a new thing. They're like, oh, no, 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 seriously, God's a really big God. <laughs> During that time, they learned that God would provide. Remember, water came out of a rock. That was Jesus Christ. That's what scripture says. Water came out of a rock. God provided meat for them every day. God was like DoorDash every day for them, just taking care of them, providing for them every single day. And they were learning that God was enough. Even in the wilderness, so this wilderness was just a dry place. Have you been there before? Maybe you struggled with something. Maybe you're in a wilderness right now. Maybe it's related to your faith or finances or relationship or a personal battle that you're facing that nobody really knows the depth of this battle and nobody really knows your faith is in jeopardy, but God sees it. God knows it. Your own spouse doesn't know certain things and you're keeping it a secret from them. Your children don't know certain things. You're keeping it a secret from them. You're in a wilderness. You know it. You know it. You know it. And it's like a Google location. <laughs> you ever look at a loved one and their Google location and you're like, where in the world are they? Why are they there? What are they doing? You know, have you ever done that? Uh, that's what I feel like God is like, looks at our, our location, sometimes our GPS, and he's like, what in the world? Where are you, why are you over there? And then we can, we can get into a wilderness. And I wish I could say once you become a Christian, it changes, but it doesn't, guys. Sinner and saint need the grace of God all the time. And we can all drift. We can all find ourselves in a wilderness. I think when we're in a wilderness, the value of it is... Um, there's no one to look at it except God. There's no one to cry out to except God. I mean, don't you grow more when you don't have a job and when you don't have enough money in the account and when things are uncertain? I bet you grow closer to God during those times. It's not when God is just, you know, I got a raise, I got a great lifestyle, I got a new this and a new that, and I'm growing so close to God right now, I'm depending on him. And we don't say that. It's when we have nothing, when we're in a wilderness, and we need the grace of God. We need to hear a word from God. Anybody feel what I'm saying? You hear what I'm talking about? Like, that's when it's like, I need God, when you're in that wilderness. The book of Joshua is really about um, people who have a second chance. The book of Joshua is really about people who are still standing. They went through 40 years of the wilderness. They had their experience, and they're still standing. They've been through a tough time. They've been through that heartache. They've been through that hurt. They've been through all that chaos, all that drama, all that confusion, and they're still breathing, and they're still standing. Glory to God. The book of Joshua is about those people who say, the desert didn't take us out. I'm here, baby. I'm here. I'm holding on to my faith. That's what it is. It's like a new beginning 2.0. <laughs> that's what it is. It's like, so the book of Joshua is beautiful because it's God saying, you're, you're still my people. I still love you. I see you. I see you. That's what the book of Joshua is about. It's this idea that, that you know what, um, I, know, um, I know you've been through a lot, but there's still a promised land for you. And if you're good, we could enter it together. That's what the book of Joshua, now, maybe you have feel like you've lost some years. Maybe you feel like you took a wrong turn. But I want you to know, God is with you. And he still has this promised land for you. I think sometimes when we go through that stuff, we ask, what if, what if, what if, what if? You know, I think the Israelites would have been like, boy, what if? 
we would have went into that promised land. What if we, you know, we, maybe we could have beat, the, beat up those guys. Maybe we could have taken them. I'll never know. We didn't go in. But what if? I think there was a lot of what if. I like what Donald Miller said. He said, I don't think any of us should trust fate to write the story of our lives. Fate is a terrible writer. Isn't that good? You have a God who is greater than your fate. You know, think about this. If it was up to our fate, guys, we would all be doomed. Because the essence of a relationship with God is about this loving, holy God who shows mercy to us, shows grace to us, even when we don't deserve it. That's the, that's, that's the story of the Bible. It's this holy God who intervenes and says, you deserve hell because of your sins. You have committed sins, and the trajectory of your life is going one way, but God sends his only son, Jesus, into this world to tell you, you know what? God's grace is great, and you can experience the forgiveness of your sins, and you could know love. You could know it. I think the, the challenge with the desert is sometimes the devil will try to convince us you're never going to get out of this. You're going to be stuck in this. This is your fate. You're just in a rut, and you're going to be struggling like this forever. You're never going to be the person that you think you should be. You'll never have that faith. You'll never be set free. Whatever it is, uh, here's the good news. You were not your past. God will use your past in a beautiful, beautiful way. It'll be part of your story. But the past does not define who you will be in tomorrow. Glory to God. The past does not define that. You're going to learn some things from that. You're going to learn some things. You know, when the, when the, the Jews, the Hebrews, were in, in the wilderness, you know, I heard one Bible scholar describe it like this. They were in the Judean Institute of Wilderness Training, J-I-W-T, the Judean Institute of Wilderness Training. Have you ever been in that institute? Have you ever been in that university where you're like, I'm just learning right now? And it's like God allows you to get to the end of yourself. You know what I'm talking about? allows you to get to the end of yourself where you have to make a decision. Am I going to trust God or not? Am I really going to trust? I mean, really going to trust God? Or am I going to trust something else or another substance or whatever? Am I going to trust God? And you see these lessons um, that, that God shares with, uh, with Israel. And I want to jump to Deuteronomy chapter 8 because it's a beautiful picture of, a, of the wilderness. And it says, remember... Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character. Wow. God was doing so many things in that wilderness. One of the things he did with them was he, he humbled them and he tested them to prove their character. You know, I've said it before. It's like a sponge. You don't really know what's inside of a sponge until it's squeezed, right? When you squeeze that sponge, you're like, oh, okay, now I know what was inside of it. And many of us, we have to be squeezed to see what's inside of us. You think you have faith. You think you're strong. He who thinks he's strong, be careful. You think, and God was testing them to prove their character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Wow. They were in training. So in that wilderness, God's like just watching and he's like, are you going to? stay obedient to me? Are you going to, how about if bad things happen? Are you still going to worship me? How about if things don't go your way? Are you still going to worship me? How about if something happens to your health? Are you still going to worship me? How about if, if you get hurt by someone? Are you still going to follow me? How about if I allow you to be tempted? Are you going to turn? Are you going to turn? Are you going to fall to that temptation? If I just throw that, if I just allow you what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Verse three says, yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry. Mm. And then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. Remember one of the I am seven I am's of Jesus. I am the bread of life. 
He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. When you go through a wilderness, you realize, I just need to hear a word from God. I mean, don't you? I just need to know God's will. I don't know. And sometimes it takes a while for us to get there because the way we're wired is we just try everything ourselves to try to, you know, save ourselves, to control the situation. We, we spend a lot of unnecessary energy. We do a lot of that. But ultimately, we get to the place where we realize, I'm not that big. I need God. I need to hear a word from God. I need a legit miracle. I need God to transform my heart. I need God to change me. I need God to give me strength that I don't have. I need God to give me hope that I don't have. Ultimately, you get to that place, and it's a beautiful place, but it's just from, from here to here is that wilderness, and eventually you get to that place where you recognize, I need God bad. I need God. I love verse 4. For all these 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out, and your feet didn't blister or swell. Wow. Anybody reading between the lines? Do you see the grace of God? Do you see the love of God? Think about that. You ever have a job or maybe a day where you're on your feet a long time? You know what I'm talking about? You, some of you have a job like that. And you might even have one of those little rubber pads to stand on. But you know if you don't have that rubber pad, how do your feet feel at the end of the day? Right? Or walking, you know, you put 20,000 steps in a day, and you wear the wrong shoes. You're wearing sandals on a 20,000-step day, and you're like, what in the world am I wearing sandals for? This is the wrong, what did I do? That was a bonehead decision. Why did I do that? Look at the love of God. Those 40 years, while they're in the Judean Institute wilderness training, God's teaching them things. He's teaching them how to turn to him and worship him and honor him and depend on him. And in the midst of this, God takes care of their feet. Now, I, I'm going to go out on a limb a little bit, guys, but Scripture doesn't say this. So Scripture doesn't say, and somebody prayed, God, make sure my feet never swell. I mean, I'm just going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say, I, I don't know if that prayer was ever uttered, but you know what it shows me? We have such a loving God. God answers prayers that we never ask. God takes care of us when we don't even know it. He's got our back when we don't even know him. And he's providing for us when we're not even asking. And he's looking out for us, and he's loving on us in ways that we don't even recognize. Wow, yeah, we can celebrate that. Praise the Lord. You can, he's, that's your God. And he's taking care of the soles of their feet. Wow. And then verse, verse 5 says, think about it. Think about it. Say, think about it with me. Just as a parent dis disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. Mm. Do you see the love of God in the midst of all this? <clears throat> here's, here's what you have to hear. Even when your storyline goes in unexpected directions, God's love and grace is able to stick with it. Even when you find yourself in the wilderness, you cannot outrun the love of God. You cannot outrun it. Nehemiah said it like this, for 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out. 40 years their clothes did not wear out. Wearing it outside every day. What a miracle. I mean, when do you, put your, when do you take your clothes to goodwill? I mean, seriously. Some of you, after one year, it's going to Goodwill, or you're garage selling it after five years or something like that. Forty years, their clothes did not wear out. Their clothes did not wear out, and their feet did not swell. Walking around, I don't, I don't think they were walking around in Burks. I don't think they were. I don't think they were walking around in Crocs. I think there was just like maybe a little strip of leather or something. You know what I mean? It was during this time. I mean, come on. Their clothes did not wear out. Their feet did not swell. Do you see the love of God? Some of you need to hear this. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. You're in the hands of God. Don't worry. 
Turn to the person next to you and just tell them, don't worry. Can you do that? Help me out a little bit. Help the preacher out a little bit. Here's the good news. You have a God who's able to close the gap between who you are and who you want to be. That's the good news. The Israelites spent 40 years dealing with this reality that they're not who they thought they were. They thought they had faith. They thought they would act out by faith because they grew up in church. Did you hear that? They thought they were stronger because they heard a thousand sermons. They thought they believed in God because they knew the Bible. And they can teach a Sunday school class in a small group, whatever. They thought, you know how they thought? Because look at all the miracles they saw through the servant Moses. What they witnessed, what they experienced, they walked through on dry ground. And they came to this place where it was too much. Have you ever gotten to that edge where you're like, okay, it's too much. I can't do it. You've been there? And the beautiful thing about God is he says, I'm not going to give up on you. I have a purpose for you. I have a mission for you. I have a ministry for you. I'm not going to let you get off that easy. You're not going to be excused. I'm not going to let you get off. I have a purpose and a mission. Somebody needs to hear this. You have a purpose and a mission by God. And God is not going to let you get off because of your fear, of your worries, of your concerns, of your desire for comfort or whatever. God has a purpose for you. Do you hear that? I want to make sure I look at everybody when I say that. God has a purpose for you. So you can look at Jesus, and because of this reality that God takes us to this place, it's because that's what he does. You can look to Jesus, and you can say to yourself, I won't always be in this desert. (laughs) I'm in a desert right now, but I'm not always going to be in the desert. I won't always be struggling with depression. I won't always be struggling with addiction. I won't always be failing. I won't always be in this dark place. I won't always be in financial trouble. One day, I'm going to be blessing others financially. One day, I'm going to be helping others. One day, I'm going to be strong. I won't always be angry. I won't always be overlooked. There is a new day that God has given me, and this wilderness is not my destiny. Guys, that was pretty good. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I feel the anointing of the Lord right now, guys. And God wanted Joshua to understand something. He's back in Joshua chapter 1, and all Joshua has seen has been cold feet. I mean, he's got to be discouraged. That he's, I mean, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder how many times Joshua and Caleb walked around. Caleb's a good name, Caleb. I wonder how many times Joshua and Caleb walked around the Israelites and were like, Mm-hmm. I told you, we're out here. I told you we shouldn't be here. And you didn't listen to us. Mm-hmm. Pick up that bread. Get that man. I told you already. Why are we out here? You know what I mean? I wonder if they just kind of threw it in their face. I wonder. I think I would have, wouldn't you? We wouldn't be out here. What are you grumbling and complaining about? What are you grumbling and complaining about? You had your chance. And God's telling Joshua, okay, baby, you're up. And I think Joshua was probably like, whoa, 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 I was much better talking about it from the sidelines. I was much better talking about it from the pews. <laughs> I was good. I was good talking about it from the pews and telling, you know, what the pastor should do or shouldn't do. I was good at that. I was good talking about the, you know, the Denver Broncos coach from my TV set. But you want me to what now? To be in the front? To be the leader? Whew. I thought I was pretty good, but now you got me scared. You want me to lead them? And God's telling Joshua, you need new thinking to go into the new land. Hear this. You need new thinking to go to that place that God is calling you to. You need new thinking to go into that promised land. You need new thinking to take your relationship with God to another place. Hear that? You need new thinking. Because here's a problem. Here's a problem. If you try to go into that new place, that new mission, that new ministry, that new work, that new relationship, if you try to go into that new thing with old thinking, Scripture says it'll be like wineskins that burst. It won't work. So you've got to change 
your thinking. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, change your thinking. You got to change your thinking. That's the problem. When God's doing a new thing, it requires new thinking. And if you go into it with old thinking, you know what you're going to do? We don't do it like this over here. This is not how we used to do it. This is not how we've done it before. We can't do that. That's not possible. There's no way that could happen. This is not the way it should look. This is not the way it should smell. This is not, you know what? God has a new thing for you and it requires new thinking. Some of you, God is calling you to another level in your relationship with God and it requires new thinking from you. You got to look at your habits and think about them in a new way. You got to look at your temptations and think about them in a new way. You got to look at the word of God and think about it in a new way. You got to look at your commitment to church and think about church in a new way. You got to look at ministry and think about it in a new way. You got to look at your enemies and think about them in a new way way. You got to look at your hurt and your wounds that you dragged into church. Some of you are still bleeding over something that happened 20 years ago. You got to look at the grace of God in a new way. And here's the promise. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one, say no one with me, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. Here it comes. Let's read it out loud. For I will be with you. Come on, say it again. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Say it again. I will not fail you or abandon you. That's your God. I will not fail you or abandon you. God is not going to fail you. God is not going to leave you. Isn't that enough? Isn't that enough? God is not going to leave you. He's not going to abandon you. He's got your back. Isn't that enough? Isn't that enough? That's enough. It doesn't matter what your bank account says, what your boss says. It doesn't matter what she says or he says. God will not fail you or abandon you. Put your faith in him. Don't put your faith in anything else. Put your faith in him. He's a good God. He will not fail you or abandon you. When I was in a New York City, New York City is a special place for me for a lot of reasons, but in, in the summer of 2012, in the summer, oh, you beat me to it a little bit, Megan. Um, in the summer of 2012, I, uh, I went to uh, uh, New York City, um, I took my sabbatical. That's what it was. I, mean, I had a, a sabbatical. The church had grown significantly. And on big days, we were up to a thousand during those days. And uh, honestly, God, it, I, guys, I, I, uh, I was so tired. You know, you can do ministry. You can be a pastor and be exhausted. You can be a pastor and be discouraged. You know, I, I appreciate the people who pray for me um, regularly. Thank you so much. Because being a pastor, you're just on the crosshairs of the devil all the time. It just didn't stop. And uh, in the summer of 2012, we put 7,200 miles on our car. And I, I just, I wanted to see God work. And have you ever been there before? It's like, I don't need to read a book. I don't need another podcast. I don't need another leadership book or a leadership binder. I don't need a conference. I just want to see God move. That's where I was at. So we hit all these churches. Some churches you might be aware of if you're a Christian. Um, but one of the churches we went to was at Brooklyn Tabernacle. Brooklyn Tabernacle is a famous church in Brooklyn, New York. And God spoke to me back in 2012 there. And he showed me, Reuben, you're preaching. You're my servant, but you have a broken spirit. Let me heal your spirit. And that's what he did. He touched me there at Brooklyn Tab. And he showed me a verse out of Proverbs. That's what happened. So when we were there just recently, a couple of weeks ago, we were in, in lower Manhattan and Brooklyn was, I don't know, 10 minutes away by subway. And I told Jay, um, hey, I want to I want to go back to Brooklyn Tap. They were having a prayer meeting. So at 12 o'clock to, to 1 o'clock every Tuesday, they had prayer. Um, take note, guys. So I'll talk about that some other day. But so anyway, we showed up 
and I wanted to sit at the same place where I sat in 2012. And there were all these people, you can see that picture. Um, there were all these people. So I was sitting right here and I, I took a picture of, uh, of, of that and I had a wonderful prayer time with God. I, in fact, I, I was on my knees and eventually I was laid out, prostrated between the seats and I was just crying out to God. Have you ever had those moments where you just know like God is real? You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever had those moments where you say a prayer and you're like, I know God just heard that prayer. You feel it in your bones. You know what I'm talking about? And you like almost feel God smiling. That's where I was at. And the Lord showed me a word in Ephesians chapter 3, verse, verse 18. He said, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. That's like a life verse for me. I mean, look at that verse. May you have the power to understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. I don't know about you, but I'm not there. Do you understand that verse? I mean, his love is greater. It's greater than you can imagine. His love is, is, is wider, it's longer, it's higher, it's deeper than you can imagine. And I just said a prayer and I said, God, revive me with your love. I wanna know that love. Here I am, the preacher, praying this prayer. And then I said a prayer, God, I wanna show other people this love. Use me in a greater way. I want to bear more fruit for you, fruit that will last. I want to bear more fruit for you. That's what my prayer was. And I said that prayer, and then all of a sudden after I said that prayer, no joke, my, my phone all of a sudden started getting lit up by people who I haven't talked to in years saying, I need you to pray for me. It's like I didn't even know the guy had my number. People were reaching out. I got an invitation to speak while I was walking around. I'm like, what is this? This is interesting. It's like, do you think that's coincidental? Come on, any Esther's in the house? I'm like, what is God doing here? What's God doing here? And God continued to use us. I mean, I saw it. I saw it in my eyes. I was reading between the lines. And on the way back, check it out, guys. Just hang with me. On the way back, uh, when we were flying back, I thought, okay, well, we're done. You know, you think when you're on an airplane, the trip's done, right? I just got to get home and I'm at gate C57 or whatever it is. And it's like, okay, we're, so we're in LaGuardia. We're flying out of LaGuardia and we're, we're flying to Denver. And then uh, we get this text uh, or I get an email from Southwest Airlines saying, um, there's a weather issue going on and we want you to move your flight to another time because of weather. God bless Southwest Airlines. So I'm like, oh, all right. So Grace is on the phone and she helps me out and we decide, okay, maybe we can get home a little earlier, but we'll have a layover. So we find a flight that actually gets me back into Denver sooner and we're flying out of LaGuardia, but we have to make one stop in Chicago and then from Chicago, we can come to Denver. So so we do that and I'm flying back with Jay and, and we, anyways, a bunch of story, our bags get lost and all this craziness. But anyway, so we're flying back and while we're right before we land in Chicago, um, Grace messages me and says your flight to Denver has just been canceled and I'm like oh, I gotta get home <laughs> and it's like no I gotta alright you know what am I gonna do now so my bag was it was, a, it was a carry on but they stole it from me anyway all that stuff but anyway so I'm like now I gotta get my bag because I don't know what flight I'm gonna run to so we're running through the airport going to the baggage claim there's nothing there go to the front ticket we get out of security and they tell us no we're gonna change you your bag is actually gonna be going to Atlanta you got to go to Atlanta now from Chicago to Atlanta I got like two layovers you got to go to Atlanta and then you'll go to Denver and it's getting later and later so I'm like oh my word and we're walking and Jay's walking with me and I just told him son right now is a good time for you to encourage me <laughs> I just need encouragement right? I don't know what's going on and I'm reading between the lines we jump in the flight there in Chicago. We're now on our way to Atlanta, which is an hour and a half away. And I'm like, Denver's over there and we're flying over here. So we're going down there to Atlanta. And I sit down with between these two ladies. One of them was this black lady that I helped get on the plane. 
she was in a wheelchair and I was so tempted to lie and tell him that I'm her son so I can get a good seat but I did but anyway I pushed her in the front and I, I went and she was grateful but I ended up sitting down by her which is so cool but the other lady that was sitting here she had this book open you, you know how you've been in a plane where you look to see kind of what people are doing you kind of do a quick glance kind of thing before you put the headphones on and all that stuff and I saw her book was weird because it was like a, an authentic book like a manual but it was about witchcraft about witchcraft and sorcery and I just saw a few words and I was like hmm and you know you always try to figure out people a little bit right you know it's like hmm, I wonder what that's about so I was talking to this sister over here my my, my black sister friend who you know she goes to church and I totally could have kept talking to her the Christian but then God told me I want you to talk to this other woman I turned to her and I said hey how are you doing and you live in Atlanta and where do you live and all this stuff and she tells me well I actually live in, in Vegas and she said I was actually I missed my flight it was early in the morning and I had a non-direct from Vegas to Atlanta but because I missed my flight, they rerouted me to Phoenix and then to Chicago. And now I'm going to Atlanta. So I'm meeting her in Chicago. And I'm like, oh, all right, well, it's uh, nice to meet you. And I'm talking to her, I'm talking to her, and she's reading a book. And I said, uh, do you like to read? She goes, yeah. And she said, I'm a reader. And I said, well, my wife is a reader and my daughter's a big reader and I like to read. That's awesome. And we're just talking and talking and talking. And she finds out I'm the pastor and we're talking about, and she asks me questions about like, uh, what made you become a pastor? And, 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 and uh, I'm talking to her. And then she tells me, you know what? I'm actually not a reader like your wife and your daughter. I'm a reader a palm reader she reads palms and then I told her well, you know what God has my future and he's been taking care of me so well and I know God loves you I know God cares about you and she's listening to me and we start having this delightful conversation for 45 minutes and she tells me I've never talked this much so she tells me and next thing you know she's asking me about Jesus I'm sharing my faith I'm sharing I'm dropping scripture on her I'm dropping John 14 6 to her I'm dropping Romans 3:23 on her I'm dropping John 3:16 on Romans 10 9 and 10 I'm just dropping scripture and I told her I'm sorry I'm preaching to you and she said oh no 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 it feels so good I don't mind it at all keep talking and she has tears in her eyes and I'm talking to her about the love of God and then it dawns on me it dawns on me how deep how wide, how long, how high is the love of God? Woo! How deep, how wide, how long, how high is the love of God? And then it dawned on me, and you know what I thought? I told her, you know what? You don't go to church, but the church, God brought the church to you. That's what I told her. You don't go to church, but God brought the church to you. And then I told her, check this out. I said, I said, what if God orchestrated this whole thing? blow your mind I was rerouted because of bad weather she was rerouted because she was running late to the airport Southwest Airlines put her on two stops Southwest Airlines put me on two stops do you think the love of God is that great that he creates thunderstorms to save a soul that he creates thunderstorms to save a soul do you think God cares about souls absolutely that's who your God is don't walk past him or her. And it was a beautiful time. 45 minutes sharing the gospel with her. I actually shared with her. She asked me, what's the name of your church? And I said, it's Thorn Creek Church. Go to thorncreek.church and you can watch our services online. And I told her, if all of this craziness with the airlines that I just went through was about you hearing the love of God, then it was worth it. That's what I told her. I said, it was worth it. You're worth it. You're worth it. This is so good, guys. It's funny, after the airplane flight, you know, Jay was just caught up in this whole thing. And I told Jay, I know now why. I know now why we're going through this. And I told him about what just happened. And, and he said, he said, he said, that's great, Dad. Next time, just leave me out of it. That's what he said. 
<laughs> Such a pastor's kid. That's great, Dad. Next time, just leave me out of it. God is good. I don't know what's going on in your life, but God loves you. You're not here on accident. God has a word for you. I think you've heard a word. I want to give you an opportunity to turn to Jesus. Some of you need to turn to Jesus. Some of you are in a wilderness experience. Some of you, you uh, maybe you're not committed. Maybe you need to commit. Whatever it is, let God have his way in your heart. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace and your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Oh, wow. It's so high and deep and wide and long. I'm humbled by it, God. You love soul, soul so much. You're, you create a thunderstorm to save one. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your spirit. I've sensed your spirit the whole time while I've been up here preaching, God. Thank you for the strength you've given me. And I'm going to need it next service, Lord. I'm just going to tell you that now. If you're ready to receive Jesus, would you say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord. I ask you to be my Savior. Forgive me for my sins. I turn to you, Jesus. Others of you, maybe you're in the wilderness and maybe you need to say, God, I need you. I'm not going to turn to other gods. I need you. save me and deliver me. Others of you, God has a calling on your life and just tell God, God, I'll cross the Jordan. No more excuses. No more waiting. I'll cross the Jordan. Thank you for your grace, Lord. Bless those who are about to give here, Lord. This church can't survive without those people. Bless them. And bless every family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank God for his word, guys. God is so good.